Hello again, friends and foggers. This is Reed wanting to, once again, give a brief word of discretion before this week's episode. Our conversation this week is about the blood on Satan's claw, and like last week's film, it contains a scene of sexual assault. That content in the film is a bit more intense than in Witchfinder General from last week, and so we felt it important to again issue a word of friendly consideration in the interests of care and sensitivity. As always, the conversation we have is one where we attempt to engage the ideas thoughtfully, and we're very proud of the discussion. Even if you choose not to watch the film in question, we'd encourage you to hear our thoughts about it. So, thank you as always for listening, and now, here's the show. You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here, but he had to go do some tilling in the yard. What? I I didn't even know he tilled, didn't know he had a yard, didn't know he was into that, but I'm sure it'll go fine. No big deal. While we wait on Reed, though, I do want to welcome back to the show, friend of the fog, continuity guru, growing himself a handsome beard, Mr. Stephen Beckley. Stephen, welcome, sir. Hey, how you doing, Nathan? I'm good, man. I am digging the new mic. I'm digging the new beard. It's a whole new Beckley. You and 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 you're the way you just came in. It was like you you were on point for like DJ style, like DJ style Beckley. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Two two weeks ago, we covered uh, the visit for Shyamalan Marama and T Diamond Styles is uh, what Ed Oxenbold's character dubs himself. And (laughs) you're like, you know, S S T Beckley, S T Beckles, you know, uh, coming at you live and the sultry sounds of S T Beckles bearded tonight. That's right. All right, Steven, real quick, maybe Uh take a look at that spot on your back. You keep favoring. I'm going to remind listeners that here at the fear of God, we explore. We don't explain (laughs) except for right now. When I explain, you can find all things foggy at the fear of God podcast.com things such as, and especially how to support us on Patreon. More on that in a moment, because who is this emerging from the fog in, in nary but a sackcloth, the one and only <laughs> man. I yeah. love the entrance, and you're you're never gonna know what you dig up these days. I mean, like, I wow, Lord, this it turns is... out, Fiend. yeah, BT dubs. Hey, yeah. Steven, how you doing, man? It's good to <laughs> Hello, see you. Reed. Nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> st beckles is on the mic tonight st beckles yeah man <laughs> okay all, read. all killer no filler <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
It's going to get weird with the beard. Reed, S.T. Beckles, we got some quick business to attend uh-huh. to before we get to our main discussions for today. <laughs> Steven's right. like, I'm not sure I'm happy I showed up. One, mm. if you're finding us for the first time today, welcome and buckle up. Because today <laughs> you find us in the midst of a four-part series lovingly titled What the Folk? where we'll specifically be looking at some folk horror films. Begun last week with new friend of the fog, Leland Merritt, as we discussed the Vincent Price starring Witchfinder General, continuing today with good old friend S.T. Beckles as we discussed 1971's ominously titled The Blood on Satan's Claw, Claw, Claw. <laughs> Two, we've relaunched the Fog merch store with fresh and refreshed Fog Swag for the month of June, which only has about four days left in it. If you're listening to this day of release, get 10% off using promo code twist if you're a patron there's a post in that feed with the code good for 20 percent off your whole order our last business note today is related to the other two and that's put simply join patreon listener if you enjoy the fear of god benefits of being a patron include longer episodes featuring bonus content like today's watch us segment it's also how you can participate in online events such as fogaween each october and happy hour horror hangouts like we just had a few weeks back but when you join Patreon, it also benefits the show as well, growing our capacity to do more, to sound better, to reach more listeners, to basically be the best fog we can be with your help playing a significant role. That is enough business for now. Reed, Beckles, shall we watch you for our patrons? We will be right back, listeners, to cut the devil's skin off as we discuss the blood on Satan's Claw. So about mm-hmm. this movie film. <laughs> um, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, um, I actually couldn't find it on Apple. So I'm using the IMDB uh note. And literally the summary for this movie is in 17th century England, the children of a village slowly convert into a coven of devil worshipers. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> like, you know, oh that, man. That says it. Hmm. Um <laughs> that's it. That's I, I want to introduce some notes here, Reed, because I got kind of intrigued. Um, I don't know if y'all are like this, but when you're, when you imbibe a piece of media like this, which is quite provocative, um, pretty dark, uh, you know, the, the impulse is to be kind of repulsed and, you know, turned off. Um, I often find those cause to dig in a little bit like, okay, let me, let me kind of try to understand a little bit of what I've just taken in. And so, so I did spend some time, you know, just kind of on Wikipedia and again, things, Beckley, you tend to be our, our, you know, person who brings the receipts and, and read, maybe, you know, some of this stuff, but I was just fascinated to see some of the, the back story here that this was originally an anthology uh, right oh, yeah. of three loosely connected but separate stories um they when the the script got bought they reset it from victorian era to uh whatever we would call the era we're in here that we're watching but right. then the, somewhat undisclosed but the, yeah. the new screenwriter kind of massaged it into one overarching uh tale and this this i found particularly interesting two other quick notes here um I think this is the producer they're referencing here, but he stated he was specifically asked. No, it's the writer. He was specifically asked by the producers to include a number of elements from the studio's previous film, 
Witchfinder General, yep. such as the Book of Witches, as well as the sequence in which Margaret is dunked in a body of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, this had to be included because it had been so successful in Witchfinder. <laughs> so they wanted to repeat it, he recalled. I didn't mind that so much as it did show the incredible stupidity of people at the time. Um, anyway, several other drafts, but from a casting standpoint, uh, Christopher Lee was considered, but he was out of budget for them. So, um, you know, that, that's not so much an initial take on the film as much as just some fascinating insight. I found, I'll throw this interesting note on the pile before Reed asks his, you know, usual launchpad question here is, uh, anyone who follows me on like Instagram or whatever, you will discover that, uh, I've not posted (laughs) the blood on Satan's claw as a, as a movie I've viewed. Because there just are moments sometimes where you're like, ah, I'm not going to invite the scrutiny that this is going to, or I'm not going to, you know, provoke the scrutiny this is going to invite. And there's really no way around that title. So I will letterboxd rank it uh, for the film nerds, but I will not. (laughs) Someone's going to be like, Nathan, you went from movie 24 to movie 26. You forgot a number. It's like, nope, I didn't. (laughs) Didn't forget. uh, You just don't know. (laughs) Didn't forget. And you never will. (laughs) Well, it's it's funny. I uh, think I referenced this on on our most recent happy hour horror hangout that like the first time I saw this movie, uh, which interestingly enough, it, it's, it's kind of was, it spent some time in obscurity. I think it hadn't had like a formal release or accessibility for like quite a, quite a long time. Um, but the first time I saw this movie was during Halloween. One of my favorite stations to keep an eye on during Halloween is Turner classic movies because they do their digging on curation. They find some gems in the middle of there. And the first time I ever heard of this movie was Turner Classic Movies had uh, included it in one of their October lineups. And I was like, wow, that's a that's a very uh, throw the gauntlet down kind of title. <laughs> I was like, I'm very curious about this. So set it to record on my little DVR. And I mentioned this on Happy Hour Horror Hangouts that my poor long-suffering wife will just sit there and like she'll be moving through the DVR titles and it'll just be something, you know, I- I'm going to make things up. I'm not saying we necessarily keep up with these shows, but it'll be something like, okay, uh, American Idol. And, oh, this is, you know, uh, this true crime show or, you know, uh, 2020 or something like that. And then, oh, Blood on Satan's Claw. That's my husband. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's just like, okay, yeah, that's uh, uh, that, that that one's Reed's right there. I rem- there was I will never forget. There was one Christmas where Sci-Fi Channel had some, done some like... Uh, letters to satan claws or some ridiculous thing and it, she was just like read read i mean like, i and Beck, beckley can be grafted into this yeah. or uh, he can be an honorary member of this as well but like i'll never forget read like the uh i'll forget the movie i'm gonna reference here but what <laughs> was the black and white movie we watched no strangers on a train maybe where the two older men are big like horror story nerds oh and yes going yeah, back yeah, yeah. And forth yeah yes Wait, or, like, or was that the uh one about uncle charlie was that one that was that was actually shadow of a doubt shadow yeah. of a shadow doubt, of a doubt. Okay, okay okay yeah okay. Yes, two, yes two old men sitting there just waxing poetic about yeah, all these murders. i'm like <laughs> that will be us 20 years from now you know <laughs> so when it's yes. like we pissed off everybody the fear of god ever befriended sorry beckley it's coming at some point and <laughs> oh. you know it's like we're still just you know like so, so what funny. about that movie satan oh. claws oh, that's a great one you know what breaking oh on the fog meter <laughs> oh my god oh my god um so yeah i mean i i saw the movie and 
I thought at first, like at first I kind of didn't know what to make of it. I thought it was, um, you know, aesthetically interesting. Um, I thought it was, you know, and, and, and still I, I carry a lot of these thoughts with me, um, in, in a lot of ways, but, um, I think the first time I saw it, I didn't know quite what to make of it, or I didn't know, I, I, maybe I just didn't fully get it. I don't even know still, even as of this viewing that I, that I fully get it. Um, but I do find it very interesting and, and maybe my, uh, perhaps last little trivial note to, to throw in there is that in this genre of folk horror, we talked about this a little bit last week with Leland, but, um, in this genre, there are three films which are often cited as like the tent poles, the landmark, uh, the kind of unholy trinity of this genre, this subgenre, Witchfinder General, which we covered last week. This film, uh, which we're about to talk about, and which uh, a film which I love most of any of these three, and we've covered quite a long time ago, The Wicker Man. Witchfinder General, Blood on Satan's Claw, and The Wicker Man make up the three sort of anchors of the folk horror subgenre and this one is really really uh it's probably to me and if i was citing things to people the most difficult to watch um it's the least cohesive in terms of narrative and 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 congealed it's it's the least sort of put together also uh perhaps the the biggest risk of like offense or disturbing things that that are in the interior of the film so it's kind of the most difficult challenging the most the, the hardest one uh to sit through um but i do find it strangely very interesting um i think it's it's wonderfully shot uh I'll, I'll save more of my thoughts for as we get into deeper didactics but i think just largely this is a fascinating movie to me uh one that i think i would say i liked uh maybe even liked certain parts of it quite a bit but um but you yeah, say you just, like it more every time you watch it um, it just keeps getting funnier every I, time it keeps funnier. getting funnier every time i see it um the, no this is not that i don't no. yeah i don't mean that i mean just mean in general do you like it more <laughs> i do think i do i think the yeah. first time i saw it i i didn't really like it very much and i think hmm. this most recent viewing there was a lot i liked about it um some of which i'll i'll dig into the specifics of but um but i yeah thank you for that question steve because I, I do think i like this film more each time I see it, even though there are some parts in it that even in this conversation, I'm not going to defend and, and that I think would be really troublesome and bothersome for people to the degree that it might mm -hmm. mean I would say don't watch it. But I do think for me, I, I like the film a little bit more each time I've seen it. Yeah, this was the first time I've seen it and I would say I liked it and I think mm -hmm. I liked it just because of the era that it was made and, and I, like, mm. I think I like British films of that time. Uh, sure. But I think some of the things from, keep me from loving it is just because um, I don't know that this kind of a plot, the folk horror, is it, it just it, it's hard to follow sometimes, and they just sure. speak in an old English type of of way, and uh, so, sometimes that may, it might even seem a little corny. Um, it's mm -hmm. so funny you say that because, yeah. and and I, I want you to finish your this is my first experience sort of mm -hmm. take there too, but like. There was a scene late in the movie. It's between R Ralph and Margaret. All the um, names. I, I'm lost on the names, man. Well, yeah, Ralph is the Ralph times. is the initial field hand who discovers the eyeball. Yes. In his mm, field. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he persists through the end. Uh, Peter is the one who gets Luke Luke Skywalker. But um, <laughs> but towards the end of the movie, 
Peter is talking to Margaret, who is the girl who they dunked, who they cut the skin off, and just mm. um, yeah. but suddenly, in ways that I didn't register it earlier, these and thou start flying in the scene, <laughs> and I was like, did did I miss it? It's possible, <laughs> but this scene is like riddled with old English. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I cut you off, Steve. What what any other initial hot takes for you? Um, in terms of your thoughts on this first viewing yeah i could definitely tell the uh the, like the origins and anthology i mean it starts mm-hmm. out with the, the story of the, the the tiller who comes across the the fiend the fiend that when you when he went back out it was gone and couldn't really prove it and the the judge whose house is right next door and then the uh the nephew and the uh fiance come in um but then after a while that they seem to move on to the other plot of the uh, the kids in the town all becoming part of a cult. And and they don't all seem like young kids either. Even this all seem called kids are like up until their late 20s or even 30s. They seem a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I think if I if I can jump in in terms mm-hmm. of my view. So, you know, Witchfinder General is its own beast. I think I was not thinking about, though, though, hear me especially uh, and Beckley, you haven't had the opportunity yet, but once you hear the conversation with Leland last week, it will signal a lot of like tropes of, of, of folk horror. And so participating in that conversation, as well as once I thought about movies like Midsommar, Wicker Man, some of these traditional uh, entries in this genre, it, it, it shouldn't have surprised me, but I just wasn't thinking after Witchfinder General okay, now we're, we're on the track of the sexuality of these movies. Um, and so, you know, you queue up the blood on Satan's claw <laughs> and, and listener, you may be discovering this in real time, uh, that, uh, right now blood on Satan's claw is only available to stream on the service to be T-U-B-I, or, you know, or not. Yeah. A few weeks um, ago it was on shutter. Then they suddenly it took was, it yeah. and it is no yeah. longer Then it was gone. I just made a Shakespearean reference and nobody caught it, but, um, (laughs) uh, uh, and so I pondered hitting up this art video in Charlotte, because I'm pretty positive they would have a copy of this, but things I knew is my AirPods don't work really great with my player, right? They do great Mm -hmm. on the Apple TV or other streaming device, iPad or such Two, do I really want the blood on Satan's claw sitting around. Uh, so I watched it last night on the iPad, just in another room in a corner. And it's like, what's Nathan doing? Oh, he's just watching a movie doing it. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm so, here. yeah. So, so what's really funny. Okay. Nothing about some of the content. Of this movie is funny, but to double back on my point, which is I just wasn't prepared for the sexuality of the movie. I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh wow. Okay. Witchfinder takes the bit more, the less graphic approach though it's still yes story-wise there this one's like oh by the way uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll, you know one up witchfinder but this is a confession between friends that is reiterated and will probably be reiterated again over the coming weeks hopefully not months (laughs) is this is just going to be the era reed i'm just telling you that three years from now when you re-listen to these episodes you'll be like damn nathan played a lot of zelda yes uh he is has and does and 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 staying up way too late 
uh just just burning all the oil both midnight and otherwise just Mm -hmm. doing doing this game and so because of it i'm tired uh and Mm. (laughs) and so when i watch stuff on top of the fact that any listener knows nathan has a habit of inadvertently falling asleep during content sometimes (laughs) watching (laughs) blood on saint's claw uh Mm. i there were moments and I'm glad I discovered that a it's an anthology series and that both of you have voiced some version of a disjointed edit yeah. because there are moments I'd be like, no, well, what, what is <laughs> happening now? You know I mean? It was like, yeah. Oh, uh, Oh, I don't want to rewind because time is time and I don't want to do it, but I'm really not sure I get why we're doing now what we're doing now. I don't mm-hmm. think I fell asleep, but I might've. So anyway, um, where this was most keenly felt, fortunately, I, I think I did take about a two minute power nap early on, um, hmm. but it, it kind of got it out of my system. But namely, it was to your point, Steve, about when you go from the Peter Rosalind story, which is the young lovers and Rosalind mm-hmm. breaks out into hysterics and claws beside, yeah. beside closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then kids like the bridge between those pieces is when i took my two minute power nap and i came to i was like what the hell has happened i don't know what movie i'm in now um so there was that and then there was uh i don't know if y'all will remember this but there's a very specific cut where ralph the field hand late in the movie gets gets furry leg right mm-hmm some somehow he gets he's oh yeah chopping stuff and he accidentally gets his leg and he's got furry yeah. leg yeah well, he yeah. he's sitting in the little cabin and he draws his leg up to him. Right. And he's kind of cowering there and his eyes are getting real big and he's concerned. Well, then he's out in the woods with the crew. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I know I didn't fall asleep this time, but I don't know how we got here. <laughs> there are some wild edits in this it, movie. It did so, reference his furry leg later in the movie, though, right? Uh, it comes up again because yeah. he reveals yeah. it to be non-furried at that point. They right. shaved his leg. Yeah, he 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 <laughs> got it all so fresh and so clean, clean. But um, devil's skin. We don't have full so, yeah. on, no full-on huh? furries, just people with a patch of furry. Where they're well, his leg when yeah. he shows it, it's 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 pretty, it's pretty real. Yeah. It's know? pretty covered. Pretty. Yeah. Ugh. It's Ugh. like me pulling up my pant leg, but fur wow. where there was no fur before. Like, mm, yes uh there's a lot of fur <laughs> in this movie it's pretty janky uh so that's that was my first experience watching this movie was being like what huh huh what huh, <laughs> what, huh? <laughs> have i been taken by, by you know man uh, what's her what's her face uh blake what's, what's her face what's her name angel blake angel angel blake, angel blake. <laughs> oh angel blake there's that seems what? like a country song that's a great name right. yeah <laughs> it's like cypher rage sometimes you just land on oh a good my name. oh yeah. my gosh and that's wow. one of them <laughs> wow wow all right so gentlemen if it's okay you know lest we forget we and this movie but we are a horror show so mm-hmm. if it is gory mm-hmm. if it's gross mm-hmm. if it causes you a fright it's time for the part of the show that we call that ain't right
sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> Watching this read. So, Beckley, you're our guest. Why don't you go first? <laughs> what is the worst that ain't right in this movie? I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. <laughs> right, let, me just read, um, let me just read a little quote here. Mm-hmm. Doctor, could you not cut the skin from her leg? She had a patch of the furry on her on her mm. leg. This Good is, uh, lord. This is, uh, ah. Margaret. It's Margaret. Yeah, Margaret. Yeah. 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 She had been yeah. ducked. Dunked. Yeah. Dunked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then then the doctor says, the oper- the operation is too difficult. I'm not equipped, or it would just grow back. And then one minute later, he changes his mind and proceeds to be convinced to do it anyway. I can't go on. I can't go on. I'm I'm, okay. I'm going on. <laughs> okay. Well, you yes. Then, yeah. I was going to say anyway. you you left off the tail end of that scene. Yeah. Which is possible. Okay. This movie's got a lot of nasty. Yeah. Uh, so nasty. One of them is what you just defined. That and broadly speaking, uh, one I would You're exercise caution. Well, not that, but I'm getting there. Okay. Uh, I would exercise caution to listeners if they're thinking about watching this movie. It's pretty heavy. Uh and and pretty hard. It's it's relatively inaccessible insofar as its edit. But um people start exhibiting patches of hair where previously there was none and this is the devil's mark, yeah. the devil's skin is what they call it, which is disgusting. It makes my skin crawl. It's not sick. puberty. It's beyond that. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's not that. It's not. It that. is not. It is not. It is not. <laughs> wrong spots for that Uh, or be very concerned if right spots it's like like, man they told me about this i was not prepared (laughs) we we haven't done it in a while reed but this is another youth pastor movie right like uh warriors is like this is what you tell them it's a metaphor for puberty this is what's going to happen to you um oh my lord but uh, Beckley, you reference a scene where Margaret's got her, her her thatch of hair, and the doctor excises it. But, but, but more, maybe more disgusting than old Doc, you know, taking his scalpel, is that he didn't wash his hands afterwards. Nope, he does. Ne- he never washes his hands after he, uh, to borrow Asia's phrase a few weeks ago, lovingly manhandled this this <laughs> graft of hairy oh, devil skin he puts the patch in a jar right oh my god yeah and, and then when the judge oh, is yeah. around he like sniffs it this is not right oh it's not right <laughs> right 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 um okay well i'm gonna oh. ignore the i'm gonna leave reed to the major scene oh um, really <laughs> yep um the <laughs> Oh I'll do God. it. I'll, I'll fall on the sword here. I, I, and the reason I'll do it is because I didn't know it was about to happen. And, mm. and so what I initially wrote down, so there's a, there's a sexual assault that occurs in the middle of this movie, about two thirds of the way through. It's, it's, it's a pretty terrible scene, even though it, it's not, uh, it's more graphic than, um, Witchfinder general. It's not the worst things you've ever seen of this iteration. It's the context of the scene itself. Not right. so much the right. Act that occurs, although the act that occurs is horrific, but the lead into that, what I wrote down before I know this is what's about to happen is Kathy, uh, the sister of a kid who died earlier, gets accosted by, to your point, Beckley, who are supposed to be kids, but look like grown ass men, especially freaky green coat guy who just has a really gnarly look about mm-hmm. 
they they entrap her in this quote unquote game and they they take her out of the woods and again not knowing it's going to go where it goes but in the woods they are confronted by angel blake and the other young cultists and some old cultists let's you know, hey intergenerational cult so good there Lord. you go but what prompted me in my that ain't right before it went as far as it did was the demonic voice right that persists a few uh, times that reiterates a few times that just says my yes. skin like that ain't right that, that ain't right now it actually was pretty impressive i was like okay that that's horror that is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that works uh, I'm freaked out, you know, this yeah, demonic yeah. entity uh, echoing that. And then just to, you know, kind of elucidate, um, you know, Kathy gets assaulted out in the woods. And and honestly, I, I'll I'll couch it this way. Um, it's it's really the way the scene is shot. It actually isn't the act of the assault. It's and y'all will remember this because it's pretty burned into all of our brains is the 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 shot on the guys. Right. On the. Yeah. Dude. Like it is yeah. a weird and creepily shot sequence. Like yeah. it is one of those where you're like, yeah, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, that that whole sequence is is probably probably the strongest. That ain't right. And, and even and the, the score that goes along with it, that's yes, disturbing as well. Yeah, I can't recall yeah. that, but um, it it goes on for and and it is it is worth noting that that scene is so extended and it is shot in such a visceral way. The director in his later years, he's, he died, I think somewhat recently, maybe even this year or last year, but um, the director was on record in his later years saying that were he to make the film these days, he would not have done that scene the way he did it somewhat admitting to an exploitative indulgence that um you know i i I don't know and can't find any information admittedly i didn't dig super hard but can't find a lot of information about exactly what the experience of these performers were but it is it is not a scene i would endorse or recommend like i would totally get it if somebody even just wanted to sort of see this movie and then you see that scene about to happen just skip forward 10 minutes like just you know, read on Wikipedia what happened or something like that, because it is um, it is really dreadful to sit through. No, no joke. Like it is really dreadful to sit through to your point, Nathan, not the most visually indulgent thing that has has ever been shown of that nature, but harrowing and visceral enough to be to to require some profound discretion. I'm wishing and I I didn't remember it. I'm wishing that at the tail end of last week, I know we put something on the bumper of this episode and, and, and I'm sure we've cautioned elsewhere as well, but I'm wishing at the end of last week that we had, that we had cautioned a little bit more firmly. I hadn't rewatched the movie, so I couldn't quite remember exactly how strong it was. But as the scene went on, I was sitting here, I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> I was, it's, it was worse than I remembered. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's a, that's a pretty terrible scene. And, and I think, you know, part of it is I just didn't know that was about to happen. So it was, it kind of caught sure. me off guard. Um, Reed, is there, you know, the other specifics you'd like to name? Yeah. Um, mine is a bit meta. Um, I think the scene is, I think the scene is rough as it is. Well, I have a meta one and I have a kind of a jokey one. So let me get the meta one that is not jokey at all out of the way. 
Um, one bit of meta news I know, which casts further, you know, sort of aspersions upon the film and its filmmaking is the character, the actor who plays Angel Blake. Um, her name, so that I get it right, is Linda Hayden. Uh, at the time of this film was 17 years old. And, uh, you know, there is no body double in that scene where she exposes everything again, just casts some serious, serious aspersions on the, the making of this film as it were, and whatever happened to, to produce the finished result that we have. But that scene in, in general is also very sort of upsetting and, pretty troubling especially with the ramifications um i feel like the film doesn't handle tactfully and this may bleed into when we get into themes which the themes i did find some of the thematic interests of this film pretty genuinely compelling but one of the things for me about that scene and the way it plays out is of course it, it it gets into some tricky areas about where like she tried to seduce this reverend and then when the reverend rebuffs her then what then plays out is the the reverend being accused of being the the complete reverse situation that is troublesome and tricky in light of current events and and how difficult it is already for women to be believed when they say something so a film like this put out there like that, which of course, I mean, the film was made 50 years ago, but um, the film's presence and a moment like that landing in a time like this is very troublesome, is very problematic, um, particularly given, you know, that this is the uh, sort of, sort of the scapegoat that people use when they don't want to believe victims of violence, victims of assault. Um, It's, it's a scenario like this, a film like this, that can often get a lot of imaginative play, even if people have never seen the film, like that kind of scenario. So that's my, that ain't right. Is just that the, whole, what the village leaders did in the movie is sort of mm. uh, captured the, uh, the Reverend and were interrogating yeah. him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then, they, then they found out what really happened and they, they didn't even apologize to him. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, just completely turned it around. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, immediately leaping to violence, which again is, is troublesome. I do have a, Maybe to bring us a little bit out of the of the of the mire of it, I have a jokey one. There is one ridiculously stupid decision that uh, a character makes in this movie, and I, I don't remember which. I struggle so much with the character names in this. It's the it's the guy, the lover in the first you know Peter. sequence. Peter. Okay. Peter. Like. Okay. Listen. You hear strange goings on in the floor of the attic where you're staying your first impulse is to just cavalierly shove your hand down into that thing like really that's your first choice like hmm, i don't know let me just let me just dig around down there and see what i can find but then when he raises it up it's this weird like it was it almost like i was sitting there i was like am i did i switch over to cocaine bear for a minute like that big clawy hand is just (laughs) like as he pulls it up it's just like what what is this thing and then, of course, like the whole sequence where he's just like, oh, he's being choked by this weird devil claw, like all the blood and all the claw and all the Satan in this movie. But like he's he's being choked by that thing. And so he starts cutting it off. And of course, he has wound up cutting off his own hand. Saw that coming a mile away. But I'm just like, huh? oh, my God. <laughs> but it well, just all started with like, why are you shoving your hand down in some strange shadowy place? 
Like, my God, get a candle, get a torch, get something. Like, what in the world? I'm glad you brought up that scene because I'm going to keep us playing in the shallows here for a second because, oh, my God, I thought it was hysterical. (laughs) I don't know if they meant it to be hysterical, though. Mm. When Peter, now, you know, Skywalkered, goes (laughs) to visit the judge. And y'all, did you catch the scene where the judge pours him wine or a beverage of some sort and in frame on the left is the judge on the right is peter and his upstage hand right away from camera is the is the nub yeah and the judge moves the glass goblet thing towards his nub and they just stare at each other And then he takes it with his other hand. Like, he what takes you, it with his other hand. Like, what are you trying to tell like me? Mocking him for not having a hand. Right? <laughs> you almost see the smirk, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Are you having a laugh? <laughs> do, you, do you need a hand there? About the production of this movie, saying that the actor who played the judge was drunk most of the time. I would buy that. that. I would that surprise me. Nope. All right, let me do this. So, like, it's. Mm, Mm. let's go out of that right and then we'll do it it's not thematic but it's not that right um okay fellas <laughs> did you squirm yes did you wince uh-huh did you squint your eyes real tight uh-huh it's mm-hmm. probably because of what reround here call that ain't right that sure as hell ain't right i'm gonna work on my talk on it what's his name who's the actor who plays the old man in Ghost Rider? Read go, the Ghost Rider. Peter Fonda. Oh, Sam Elliott. Oh. Sam Elliott. You're to work Did on you your. Did you win? Your... Did you squint your eyes real tight? It's probably because of what we around here call. That ain't right. Oh, that ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. I'm just testing, <laughs> testing some stuff. <laughs> testing wow. out some material. No. Oh, my old okay. prospector. Oh, Ghost Rider. <laughs> I thought that was a sling blade guy there. Mm, that's hey, right. I seen Jesse on me mother, mm. and I seen red. <laughs> I need to watch that movie again. <laughs> you did. Um, okay, we got to talk about the end of this movie because WTF. Oh. In other words, this series is called What the Folk. Uh, yes. I don't I, like that. What? Oh, another little <laughs> editorial note. Wow. I think the original take was that the demon was just going to destroy the village. And they were like, mm, yes, too dark. Yes. Um, so what <laughs> yes. they do instead, which actually is, would work better in that. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I yep. think it would be I mean, more in keeping. You've already gone as dark as you did. Yeah, exactly. Out in the woods. Uh, and instead the judge drunk off his ass shows <laughs> up with the master sword straight yeah. out of Hyrule. And oh, just yeah. Impales a demon. Like, I was oh, yeah. like, really? This is <laughs> this thing. It was so easy. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And that it was that guy. And that it was the judge. What like, do you mean that guy? That, that I he mean, would the, be the one doing it? Yeah, because he's. I mean, he's not. Him, in shape. He's. He's. And well, and he's an awful human. He's <laughs> just yeah. an awful person. Like, Should have been Peter, like, right? Should have attached it right Peter. to the stump. And- Peter's the only one in this. Movie. <laughs> yeah, like. Well, but no, I mean, not Peter. No, it should have been Ralph. Ralph, 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 the guy who, yeah, because oh. Ralph is the only one. I'm sorry, Nathan. I'm totally hijacking. No, where you're it's going. okay. You're doing <laughs> but, what I wanted, which is spin up a bit. But like, honestly, like Ralph is the one 
He's the one who's like, hey, maybe we don't throw women in the river to see if they're witches. You know, he's the one who's like, oh, hey, maybe yeah. we try to be protective. You know, like he's the one. And then he's like, what happened to my furry leg? Yeah, exactly. Like he's the one. He's the righteous. I mean, the sure. righteous moral center of the film. He's the only character in the film who I couldn't find a moment where he stepped into problematic territory. I'll say it that way. Every other character in this film does sure. at least once some of them several times Oops. but Ralph, but ralph is the only one who who never at least in the in the sequence of the film never really has a blemish on his his sort of righteous zeal or moralistic sort of and so it yeah. should have been him if anybody was yeah. going to bring down the demon it should have been him but instead it's a whole judge who <laughs> like freaking like the problem i have is that right before the judge left he's like i'm going to tell you this only thus can the whole evil be destroyed. You must let it grow. I'm like, F you, dude. Like, what are you talking? Like, you got to let it grow. What in the world are you talking about? Like, let it grow. I'm being let a little cavalier with it, but no, yeah, but I'm I just mean, like, it's yes, but, it is a, it's a dumb ending for a pretty dark tale. Sure. It's like, yeah. And, and again, maybe I dozed off. It happened. But <laughs> when he just shows up with a magic sword, like, like we can't kind of oh, yeah. ignore that, right? Like this giant rando magic sword that it are like yeah I, I didn't get the spatial relationships of the the people sure. in this scene yeah. i didn't even understand that judge and crew were behind the action you know Shut i thought they were yeah. facing the action uh so i was really thrown when i was like oh he just you stab that bro in the back like and you, you can't bring right. in your special weapon just without having referenced it before in the movie it's exactly right yeah. it's excalibur I know. Yeah, yeah this is at not the bottom of the lake. It's not even Chekhov's gun because we didn't see this the, thing beforehand. It's just like sword hey, of Gryffindor. Yeah, I have. Maybe some, that could yeah. have been the reason that he went to the city was to get the oh, sword. Oh, yeah, SD but, Beckles. You know, <laughs> mystical sword. In the wax. Yeah, like, I must visit no. the lady in the lake. When they do the remake, they could they could put that back in. But yeah, yeah like the judge <laughs> went to complete a mystical quest yeah. to Gosh. retrieve the magic sword. So I'm yeah, so tempted I really. To, I'm hmm. so tempted to go to Monty Python here. It's like, you can't just go around stabbing demons. Just come some watery talk through a sword at you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So that was, that was my, that was my in-text question. Hmm. My meta-text question, which neither of you are prepared for, because it's just kind of coming to me in, in real time, but we're all three dudes of, I would say character and general, you know, upstanding citizenry and, and, you know, a certain, we we like to we would like to consider ourselves, and I think largely are the Ralphs, uh, at least in in Reed's uh, description just then. And exactly. I watched this movie. Witchfinder isn't quite this, although it is still a bit this. And but I watched this movie, and I was like, man, we and by we I mean dudes, and I mean societally, we are so transfixed and afraid of women mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it is hard to watch this movie and not see it as almost solely an exercise of exorcising the fear the creators have of and and i know you know it's like well no it's just an era of witch hunting and all that sort of stuff and wasn't that interesting we should put that on film it's like uh, i mean sure that's an interesting era worth some exploration but also in adap adapting that era we also ignore the fact that that was likely what was also going on then which is sure yes ooh icky women uh they scare us with their wiles 
let's do something about it. Uh, you see Matthew Hopkins in Witchfinder just like making up stuff left and right just to exterminate people. You see this movie's very essence is read to your point about the the angel character and the priest like like this movie is not content with anything but the matronly woman which is what you see in kathy and the brother's mom what you see in mrs bonham or bonham or whatever name is and and you know feel free sincerely to not take this bait but you can draw a straight line socially societally between this concept and ideology into just right now you know we just really aren't happy with women exercising agency personhood like and i'm not actually though it sounds like i walked into that language not even uniquely making some sort of abortion note i'm more just saying writ large the the going rate for being a woman in a society like ours who would who would espouse human flourishing but out of one side of our mouth but out of the other side of our mouth but say yeah but you know uh these these are issues i'm particularly sensitive to just given the the gender makeup of my home wherein i am literally the sole male occupant and so i just um things that others might watch this movie and just be like oh an interesting I mean, it's dark. I don't mean that, but uh, that it isn't, but an interesting tale about an era in, in life, you know, in, in history, I watch it and I'm like, huh, <laughs> we haven't come very far <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway. So that's just, uh, I have some, yeah. I have some thoughts, but I actually want to yield the floor. Just Steve, I want to just give you some runway to kind of, if you want to respond directly to that or anything else you have, mm-hmm. I'm still kind of piecing together some of my thoughts, but I, I do have, a couple of responses uh, to what you were saying there, Nathan. But yeah, Stephen, uh, I, I just want to give you some runway before I go into any of that. The uh, the judge in the movie he um, he was saying that he was skeptical of the return of the of the, the terms the old superstitions and the the dawning of the age of enlightenment. Um, and then Peter, who said that he suspected there was an evil in the house, and also the the reverend. One of the first or second time we saw him, he uh, he was saying that ever since, uh, and I don't remember the name of the person, but it was a person that was not seen in the movie, but it was referenced to this woman. Ever since she left, um, he had been starting to see the old superstitions return. And I, and I think they meant to say like that was um, someone who understood those old superstitions, perhaps a witch who could keep them at bay. Um, mm-hmm. But now they're coming back. Um, and I thought that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then they had that uh, conversation later in the movie uh, between the doctor and the judge, um, where the doctor had had this book, right? And he was, he said, uh, when he heard of Ralph's discovery, the doctor said he was reminded of this old volume, Moxer, if you will. These sages had access to much wisdom, uh, and the judge said, "Doctor, witchcraft is dead and discredited." Are you bent on reviving forgotten horrors? The doctor says, how do we know, sir, what is dead? You come from the city. You cannot know the ways of the country. See this picture? Did Ralph not describe such a countenance? And he was in a picture of a, 
I guess it looked like the fiend that Ralph found in the when he was playing on the field. Mm-hmm. Judge said, perhaps some such thing. The doctor then asked to if he could borrow the book, right? Yeah. I thought that was interesting how they referenced uh, the difference between the, the beliefs of people and the city and the country. Yeah. I mean, it's it, there's definitely a tradition versus progress idea. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's a little bit of what um, that's a more generalized version of what I'm kind of pointing at, too, which is just, you know, we like what has been. Mm. And 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 really, we struggle with um, a pushing forward to the point that we are willing to kill it, you know, to to strangle it, to drown it. Um, anyway. So yeah, I, I think you're identifying in a general sense what I was sort of mm-hmm. pointing to in a in a specific. Well, I would be interested to see what Reed was thinking if he's yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I um I well first of all Nathan I agree with you I think it's it's nearly impossible for any thoughtful engaged viewing of this film to ignore or dismiss the gendered nature of the trauma that the film lays out. I know that it can be, it's possible to see that where it's not there. This is not that, that film, it is all the way there. Um, It is, it is text of the film. It is not. So, so one of the first things that I want to say is I know that that may be something not robbing you of anything to say that while that may be particularly sensitive for something for someone like you being the only uh, male in your household. I think it's also like when you read the film, you from the opening scene when Peter brings, you know, the woman that he's in love with, and she's she's just treated so terribly from sure, the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, she's 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 treated horribly, and then where does the film go with that? She's resigned to the attic where she yeah. witnesses horror, and then all of their worst suspicions are then made manifest in the fact that she really is. You know, she comes down, she's got like a claw for a hand and everything, and then correct me if I'm wrong. I know I'm the one who's seen this film probably the most time. We, we never see her again. Like she never no. comes back. Right. No. They say yeah. she's like gone she, to like the mental hospital or yeah, like, like she's yeah. you know. And so the dismissive way in which the film treats even that opening person, uh, I, I don't think it's a misreading or a, a subtextual overlay for you to say, Nathan, that you that you see some sensitivity in that in in this film. I think I think it's very there. Uh, I think the way that it treats its female characters in this is um, is pretty deplorable. And also in that sense, I feel like it is uh, kind of a lightning rod in terms of a conversation of the way that we still, uh, I believe you phrased it this way, that that we still find ourselves culturally. So I'll, I'll say perhaps afraid of femininity. Um, sure. To where it it becomes femininity as threat, um, which this is going to sound odd, and I certainly don't mean to step into some sort of big controversial or terrible thing, but which is why I wish that this film committed to and ended with like yeah. the town is destroyed. I wish yeah. it had committed to that. I think it would be perhaps more. Uh, like it, it, it's also difficult for me not to watch this movie and think of, I'll say it this way, the way that Robert Eggers film, the witch 
does so many of these things like in a better way and in a stronger way and in a more cohesive way and kind of commits to, we're just going to go down that path. And that's, and that's where we're going to head. If I can jump in to your point there, that's a great comp is in the witch. I can't remember. Um, now I can't even remember the actor, Anya Taylor Joy's character's name in the movie, but it's, Mm -hmm. but it's a character. Right. Sure, right. Yes. It's like yes. a fully fledged, like you watch the progression of a character, not right. an archetype. And it's so funny. And I, my deepest apologies if I'm cutting you out of your thought, but it, yeah, you, okay. you're what you're bringing to mind for me is, um, uh, and, and Beckley just nod your head. Like, yes, I have heard that conversation, uh, <laughs> on the visit. We talked about oh. me, you and Matt about the, the tension with the sort of, age component of the villains in that movie, the, right. the sort of mental illness application to those characters and something we stumbled into there was representative versus not. And it's, it's mm-hmm. funny you're, the way you're describing your sort of articulation of, of uh, Satan's claw here. This is representative. This yes. is yes. very much painting with a broad brush. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll compare it again. Listeners have now heard the Witchfinder General conversation. Witchfinder General handles this better in that Matthew Hopkins is seen, Vincent Price's character is, is known from the very beginning to be a complete snake. Like there is no pretense in that film that like he is transacting wickedness and evil and he is the villain and he is the monster yeah. of this movie. Yeah. And then it also juxtaposes that with the presence of of um the soldier whose name i forget right now but the the presence of the soldier who has very different intentions which finder general is just in general forgive the overuse of that word there but it is broadly a smarter and better crafted film i think than blood on satan's claw and i take uh more umbrage with the way blood on satan's claw handles its characters, uh, particularly its female characters in relation to its male characters. Because again, I'll go back to it. I, I hate the judge. I hate him. He's just a jerk. He's just a cruel person. And and he leaves and he abandons, or, or not the judge. Um, God, who is the Excalibur dude at the end of it? Because the, Yeah, that's the, the judge. Is it? The, okay, yeah. No, he's, I remember when he leaves, he leaves somebody else in charge and he's like praising yeah. how yeah. the squire is. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was getting it mixed up with. He okay. leaves the squire in, in charge. So so he leaves the squire in charge. But yeah, the judge is freaking like, he leaves. And first of all, he abandons it. And I really was bothered. And maybe there's maybe there's a breath to be had here of conversation. I really was bothered by this notion. And Nathan, I'll come back to something that you mentioned in passing earlier. This notion of like, if we really want to get, destroy it, we got to let it grow. And a phrase that has troubled me for a while is um, give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves. That's the phrase that troubles me. But the concept more broadly that disturbs me is this idea of, well, we will ignite and inflame what they're doing so that then that will be the trap we'll ensnare them with. Like we will throw gasoline on that. I'm talking sure. about society and culture and everything. One of, one of the things that I am sensitive to both in interpersonal relationships and when I see it happening in culture is bait and blame. 
and 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 how I would describe that I didn't I didn't necessarily hear that phrase as a categorical thing but what I'm referring to is uh when it happens in the way that like hey I'm going to say volcanic things I'm going to push trigger buttons I'm going to uh again inflame the situation and then when you lose your cool I'm going to say see this is what I was talking about and right. And 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 absolve yourself of all the ways that you pushed the conversation there. Sure, but because it has now gone beyond the pale, you're going to blame the people who have had enough. And and, and, and yeah. more than that, you're going to claim hero when you show right. up with your magic yes. sword. Yes, exactly. And that's why this judge character bothers me so much. Is because he says in the text of the film, you have to let it grow, and then. He is just burying bodies under that. He knows. And he even says it. I think right before that, he says, even though people will die. And I'm just like, wow, man, you are not the hero of this piece. You are not. And so it's bothersome to me that there's this sort of like triumphant sort of motif when he shows up with magic. I'm just going to keep calling it magic Excalibur. He shows up with this sword at the end and slays the demon. I'm like, you don't get to. And, and, I know that I'm getting a bit impassioned about this subject, but I'm like, you don't get to do, that's not how it works. You don't get to, to slay the Chuck E. Cheese reject and the big demon suit villain. Like you don't get to come in and like, <laughs> Willie's Wonderland. Like, Let's yeah. Keep it. Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. But you don't, you don't get to vanquish this evil because you are the one who willingly abandoned it so that it could propagate. But what's bothersome to me about that is how pervasive that mentality can still be like, Oh, we're just going to, we're just going to leave it alone. We're just going to let, or, you know, we'll, we'll toss gasoline over here. Like social media is the worst at this, where the algorithm is going to allow a, a thing to become ubiquitous. Like it drives me and my wife crazy. I'm citing my wife in this moment because she and I have seen a couple of instances of this recently and have complained about it to each other, where a very obviously AI generated thing of like, a Baphomet book club. Like, have you guys seen any of this where there's like, no. there's literally this thing that, that made the rounds uh, of social media, not that long ago where it was like, Oh, you know, what's happening next is there's a satanic book club and people dress up like a big goat demon and read books to children. It was so clearly uh, AI generated. Like at one point you even looked at the kids in the thing and they had like six fingers on their hands. It sure. is so clearly AI generated, but it was being shared as like, oh no, see, we gotta, we gotta put a stop to this. And 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 I'm sitting there, and my wife and I, I keep citing her because we we both had like a moment where we just got so frustrated by all of that pervasiveness that's happening. And I'm just kind of like, okay, God, this is so, it's so aggravating that a personality disembodied or otherwise would be like, you know what? I'm going to pour gasoline on this fire because I don't like those people or because I don't want them to succeed. So I'm going to pour gasoline on the fire. And then when I pour gasoline on the fire and they, uh, like I said before, they react and respond defensively or aggressively or whatever, I can then point to it and be like, see, you're the problem. And, uh, and, th- and then I'll have an excuse to do whatever I need to do mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and the fact that this judge character in this film so blatantly does that, like, churns my stomach because I don't think, <laughs> I, I, I think we're living in an era where there are plenty of the judges 
who have done a very similar thing and been applauded for their self-righteousness or for their overt righteousness, in air quotes, the listeners can't see, uh, for vanquishing an evil that they fueled for their own personal gain, for their own ability to, to stand on some you know, authority. Uh, it's very bothersome to me. It's very, very bothersome to me, if you can't tell by the tone of my voice and the vigor of my words. <laughs> And there might be some instances where someone puts the gasoline on the fire and the fire just gets too big to put out. Too. That's also, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's also problematic. And then, of course, the people who are responsible for it, for propagating that, will not, in the way that would satisfy me, will not see the justice that they probably need, which, honestly, which to be clear, the justice I'm referring to is, and I've used this phrase recently in recent episodes, is for them to come to their senses and for the scales to fall from their eyes. I don't want bodies, trails of bodies. I, I don't hold vindictiveness yeah. towards these people. I want them to come to their senses. I want them to see clearly and to think clearly with a, with a sober mind and, and, and right-headedness. So it's not as if I'm out for blood, certainly not on Satan's claw, but I want people to come to a place to where they will recognize, oh my God, I have been doing this wrong. I have been approaching this subject wrong. And then that way, hopefully we have a chance at true reconciliation, true peace, true constructive you know, forward motion. Uh, but we're never going to get that as long as the battle lines keep getting drawn and people with far too severely vested interests keep fueling the fires so that they can feed off of it to propagate their own empire in whatever version that looks like to them. That's, I need to climb off the soapbox before I get too, you know, rough with it. Hmm. Yeah, Sorry for I my mean, soapbox. No, <laughs> but, do not apologize. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you've really put to mind, like, it's funny. I, I, I think my, my take is just as strong, if not stronger, even after that, as in the, the, the energy I would feel about it from the standpoint that like, it's one thing to watch this movie and think, Oh my God, our, our, our fear of the feminine is so strong. I, I also think that's baked into the celluloid of this movie. Like you use the, the anecdote a minute ago, read about the age of the angel actor. Like sure. there's yeah. example one, but what I wasn't even taken into account was the relationship of the judge who is, if angel is representative of femininity, and it's it's um desired submission in a culture uh, uh breaking bad as it were um mm. it it must take into account what propels the breaking of bad which is power sure. of abusing it and mm. you know this judge character and and i just think it can't be overlooked how it, it would be it would be erroneous to just be like everyone can get it right all the time like that just doesn't exist and so we we mm -hmm. learn to live in the fact that compromise is is just a reality of our of our design perhaps yeah um yeah. so i'm sensitive to that but this anecdote will seem to be disrespectful of a recent headline recent to this recording session not the release of this recording but it it called it to mind and i watched about six months ago there was a clip that went viral and i went and watched the entirety of it 
but it's from is it crossline it was a it was a news program it was a debate program from i think the late 80s early 90s Hmm. and this particular video was cornell west and pat robertson oh wow and cornell west who i actually don't know as much as i would like to about but what i do know i'm friggin wildly impressed with it's it's this debate about social programming right to to um lift others out of inequity and inequality and cornell west has taken robertson to task and pat robertson basically says well you know you're ignoring the fact that we have all these social programs that distribute aid and y'all in a just blistering retort cornell west is you're ignoring the fact that you're giving aid you are the reason you have to give aid like Mm. your vacuuming of societal resource i'm using these phrasings you don't then get to it's it's the judge wielding the sword you don't get to save the day it's your fault yes you know you as representation of you as singular you know puzzle piece in an abusive system and and it's just i don't think this movie quite knows that it has that if that makes sense yeah yeah Um, no i i agree what calls to mind i apologize for jumping in no you're fine i'm just more finding my way through the thought anyway what call what it calls to mind is uh listeners who will remember a while back our conversation about the mission and the scene where jeremy irons is talking about the guarani people and how they sometimes would would kill their children which is a barbaric thing and he cites it and says the reason they have to do that is because they have to be able to flee quickly and the reason they have to try to flee quickly is because of us and so in a in a pretty cogent moment he's saying we are the ones who have driven them to that thing we now call barbaric. Yes. And again, it's it's the same exact thing where it's just like you Stay have fine. to exi- yes, you have to examine the ways in which you are complicit in the condition that drove the the symptom and the ways in which you are benefiting from systems which feed upon people who cannot speak for themselves and who have to scrape and using this word deliberately claw their way to some version of being heard to some version of being seen you have to scrape all their way through that and then it is so so easy to be incredibly cavalier with the you know the things you find repulsive or the things you find offensive and and again it's just like god the amount of times that we have created a problem, then vanquished the problem, and then patted ourselves on the back for our ingenuity, yep. for everything that we had generated, for every for everything that we had wrought, um, and and that is it has become a more impassioned again, if you can't tell, a more impassioned consideration in my mind of of late. Um, and I don't even have a subject to hang it on because I feel like it happens in multiple places in multiple ways. Um, but it is something that is just 
I see it too much. And like I said, like what I want and what I'm praying for sincerely is just for us to come to our senses and for us to, to, to recognize like, okay, I'll use this hyper-spiritual language because I mean it like there's some repentance that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And it usually has to happen in the places that are earlier than where we think it has to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yep. the, the repentance, we, we are demanding or insisting on repentance from here, not realizing that is way far downstream, guys. Yep. Like you want to start the repentance, you got to go way, way far down the river and you've got to start at the source. You got to go right back to, to where this is all flowing out of. And repent there if you ever want to stop it. Because repenting upstream, that's that's not going to do any good. That's Anyone just a dam that. in the water. Yes, anybody can do that. But if you really want to see change, you got to go all the way back. And and that's what that's where the real hard work needs to begin. Um, anyway, I'm I'm sorry that it's I funny. Haven't so preachy. It's on funny, Satanic. And, and, and I'm going to let you go here, SD Beckles. But you know, I, I what you just said made me think of just like you know sadly i think we're sort of cresting out of uh the sort of movement of powerful men held to account um even even though there's some nuance that could be shared there but i remember you know getting into discussions occasionally with um a person in our orbit that you know was like well should so should should so and so in this case so and so is usually a man of power lose their job because of X. And I wanted to say yes, <laughs> mm. Mm. because you're too far downstream to your point read. It's like, that's just the current, that's the bandaid. Yeah. The wound, the wound is a, is a, is a bit farther back. And yeah. I think we, in that scenario, which again, I'll pull back from here in a second. In that scenario, it's like, we've grown so indoctrinated to the notion that, you can't change the shape of a life and still be okay. Right. Like mm-hmm. you can, mm-hmm. you can, you can, you know, if you effed up so royally that there's debris, human debris because of your vocation and your role in your vocation. Yeah. You, yeah. you should change vocations and that's okay. You'll, you'll be all right. You know, those people won't be for a while. Um, sure. Anyway, anyway, Did anybody uh, read you, what the original, uh, in the original screenplay, what the ending was. Well, uh, I, th- I, th- I thought it was just the version where it's more decimated, but yeah, I think that's I what what I you're referring to. the, um, uh, they didn't just, uh, I oh, know the, in the original ending, the demon won, right. And yes, everyone, he, he in, the, basically, everyone in the town was decimated and killed. Right. Except, yeah. So just the, the everyone members just were just the only one left. The only ones left. Yeah. Yeah. Basically they won. Uh, and so it kind of changes yeah. the whole like takeaway of the movie with that's the ending. And I think the studio didn't like that, right? They wanted the good guys to win or because yeah, they saw the judge as the good guy. Right? Yeah. They must have. And that's the thing is it's like, <sighs> yeah, I, I, I risk going off. I've already gone off for a long time. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, Oh, it's the read lackey gripe hour. But in their eyes, why is the judge the good guy? Why? Because because he's got no sort of like stain to his you know superficial reputation mm-hmm. you know uh, why is the judge the good guy because you know oh he he hasn't engaged in these direct transactions and and one of the things that absolutely drives me nuts is the way people can look and and I don't think I'm far afield 
or at least not too far afield, to say that Jesus himself in the scriptures would often point out this importance. Um, We are too often interested in somebody who looks palatable on the outside. We couldn't care less what's happening inside of them. And at the same time, the people on the outside are bothered with how they look. And I feel like, again, I I feel like I am not far afield of the text of Scripture and Jesus' words when he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount how, yeah, you can do these things and you can do these things, but if things are happening in your heart, then that's really the problem. And I know I'm paraphrasing to the nines right now, but I feel like over and over again, he lashed out against whitewashed tombs, said, you're all pretty on the outside and full inside you're full of dead bones and corruption. And I feel like we have just become so dang comfortable with that's the palatable look. That's the palatable appearance. That's the palatable language. That's the, that's, that's the language that suits our needs. So let's not investigate ulterior motives. Let's not investigate ulterior intentions. Let's not investigate the power propagations and empire building that's happening right here in front of us. Let's not investigate any of that. Instead, we're just going to say like, hey, no, this, this other thing, that's the, that's the threat. That's the problem because they don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They don't talk like us. And let me be really, really clear. It is entirely possible for anybody who looks any way to have a completely dichotomous inner person. It is possible for the people who don't look like you to be really awful inside. It is also possible for the people who look nice and white and shiny and pretty on the outside to be genuinely good people. But I think the danger and the risk that we run into is that we are completely enraptured by what it looks like on the outside to the degree that we are giving no thought, no consideration, no investigation for ourselves or for the people that we propagate, what's going on inside? How how is it inside? And and that is again, if you if you can't tell listeners, if you can't tell co-hosts and friends, that is very bothersome to me right now. It is a point of personal frustration uh, that has reached a bit of a fever pitch for me because I am too bothered by seeing it too frequently, glossed over too much. I'll speak for myself uh, in in the spirit of like, I'll just call it churchy folks who can speak from from pulpits very, very easily about all the wickedness and all the evil and all the crap that's going on out there. But if something happens inside the church, let's keep it quiet. Let's keep it covered. Let's keep it subdued because we can't hurt the reputation of the church. And I'm saying to hell with that, please like stop it, put it away. You need some deep seated repentance. Otherwise you're going to have the original ending of blood on Satan's claw running somewhere because it will out. It will mm-hmm. come to some degree of fruition. And that is, that is one thing that I that I still um, see happening is that like look it, the, the the end result will be the same decimation is what you have to look forward to you can either get ahead of it and try to repent in a deeper and more meaningful way to hopefully mean that the decimation is the decimation of your empire and that you have saved your soul or you can allow the decimation to continue and you'll just lose everything and I'm sorry to speak so glibly about all of that but. I should probably stop. what's fascinating I'm is like, I turn my mic off if I don't no. if I don't stop. What's what's weird to think about too is like in the narrative decimation version versus the narrative version we have the the, the hero judge the the decimation version is the more truthful version like mm-hmm. you know all the judge version does is perpetuate the power abuse you know yes and 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 yeah call it call it heroic because Absolutely. you better believe 
<laughs> Angel Blake's getting drowned or beheaded. Yeah, the second after those credits roll, you know. Mm. Yeah, because in the in the movie, like before the credits roll, nothing really happened. Oh, she Angel gets Blake. stabbed. Did, yeah, she right. gets stabbed. Okay, she gets so. skewered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she gets skewered with that big like pitchfork type thing. So the furry demon got skewered, and so did she. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they both got. She got skewered. He got impaled, and hoisted like a like a trophy. Yeah. Now there's. Ooh. I always thought, like in in the uh, the cinematography of the movie, they never really put direct focus on that demon. I don't remember seeing. I did kind of love that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of because there were moments where I didn't realize it was there, which is kind of cool. Yeah. He's just to the side. Yeah. He's just to the side and kind of kind of Yeah. 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 Um, we'd see the the expressions on the faces of the cultists cult members really clearly and that's mm-hmm. what was disturbing yeah um yeah absolutely um yeah I'll, I'll reiterate that and then we can go to the fog meter i guess is just the notion that hero judge ends the film with a trophy of a demon yeah mm. and and there you have it. I think in this thematic context, the the reason that the the cultists uh, um, did all these vile acts was because like society had no room for them to do anything within their alternative religion. Um, mm. It just kind of just drove them to it, and they could never be really forgiven for anything along the way. So it just kept going further and further. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, I'm having to bite <laughs> my tongue so hard. <laughs> Like it's All just right. the blood on no, his no. tongue, man. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting there, but no, I mean, sincerely, the, the, the problems run deeper. I'll end on this. <laughs> the, the problems run deeper than a glib soundbite or a quippy social media post or uh, you know, a, a very terse bumper sticker. Like the problems run significantly deeper than that. And if we really want to do better, that means the conversations have to be more challenging, more difficult. They have to be more uncomfortable. We have to look at ourselves more deeply and richly and interrogate our own motives and intentions in the middle of it. We have to do the same for the people that we love. We have to do the same for the people that we distrust. We have to do a lot of hard work to get there if we really want to get under the, the, the root of all of these things that emerge. We cannot just merely hoist up a trophy and say, we've won. Look at this. We stopped this thing. I hate those shallow little victories. Mm-hmm. Those shallow little victories that are just like, oh, look. And, and the other thing that bugs me is that every single time one of those little shallow victories happens, boy, you will get a whole slew of people being like, Forgive me for being this sardonic, but like you'll, you'll a whole bunch of people be like, see, look, uh, justice is coming. Revival is coming. The Lord is moving. I'm like, y'all, it never stopped. First of all, it never stopped. Second of all, that's not what it looks like. So mm-hmm. stop, stop having some cheap pyre right there and go back to the gospel and go back to see this. I'm just putting on my, my real hat for, <laughs> for a minute, but like go back to the substance and the truth of the life-changing miracle that is the gospel and stop settling for cheap flashy rosy little trophies uh that that can look at it and say like oh look we won no it 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 doesn't happen there that's not how it that's not how it looks i really need to stop (laughs) sorry it's okay we're just i'm gonna get the the scalpel and just scrape (laughs) that 
that Ugh. little spot <laughs> off your arm there. Ugh. Um, yeah, we we grade each of our films on what we call the fog meter. Reed usually does this part. I'm going to take the baton from him and just stumble my way through it. Um, the fog is not something we, the fog meter is not how we grade the quality of a film, but rather in Reed's words, the heft of the film, the weight of the film um, on two specific metrics that of fear, how scary a thing is and God, how substantive a thing is. And um, Beckley, I will start with you uh start with the fear metric and then i'll go and then reed will go last and then we'll circle back around so uh beckley on a scale of zero to ten what would you give the blood on satan's claw on the fear metric Mm. i'll give it an eight for fear i think it does a great job of generating suspense and uh creepiness and it's it's old English speak and time. I think it's. Uh, we think that does protest to protest too much. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm very on edge the whole time, and then there's of course the unsettling times that are very uh, scary and bloody. So yeah, eight Nate is good for me. Okay, um, I think uh, I think I'm gonna go a nine. That middle scene is so harrowing honestly i think i think my nine is a hair generous no devil skin pun intended um because i actually think the slight incoherence of the narrative uh, works against it a little bit to to really drive home some of those harsher bits but i think the strength of that middle section i think the weight of the overall piece kind of pushes it past some of my misgivings about its coherence so yeah a nine. what about you read um yeah i'm kind of you know what i'm i'm really with you guys on it I, th- I think the middle scene is is pretty harrowing i'm literally in real time going back and forth between an eight and a nine i'm gonna land at an eight um because i think that that middle scene earns quite a bit i think the whole of the rest of the film you know has mixed returns on on that front but it is still pretty suspenseful and when it goes for the jugular it it largely succeeds uh in that front so yeah eight for me on fear and um, what about we'll start with you on the god factor sure. circle back around to beckley um i think for me this is this is a tough one because i it brings up a lot in me that i don't think it was very interested in i think it was accidental mm-hmm. on its part that it stumbled into the things that it did of course not for nothing it is considered one of three landmark films in an entire subgenre of the horror uh, field um which which probably can't be ignored so i think i'm going to to kind of split the difference i'm going to land at a 6 i feel like there's some things here that are worth consideration and discussion I think it is naive to think that the film understood them or tried deliberately to grapple with them. I think it it they're just sort of there uh, in in the atmosphere for thoughtful people to pull out. But I don't think the film is terribly interested in them. So six for me on the God Meter. Um, I'm actually going to echo your six, and the reasons for that are that I just uh, you you brought up such a, a significant comp with the witch that just does what this movie thinks it's doing mm, this move to your point. I don't know that the movie actually thinks a lot about sure. what it's doing um, to a casual observer, what the movie might think it's doing, the witch just does on a whole other expert crafts and artistic level. 
Um, I, I think this movie has things it's dabbling with that merit the six, but I think it's pretty immature in its, mm-hmm. in its presentation and in kind of its production. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to land at a six on the God meter. What about, what about you, SD Beckles? Yeah. I'm almost <laughs> like saying ditto to both of you. I think I, I agree that it's, uh, there's a lot of talk of God and religion in the, in the, uh, in the movie. So that makes you think a lot and think about how you might interpret it and what's going on. But really when you think about it, it's like, this is really a product of its time and its culture, perhaps uh, maybe early seventies, England and, uh, and the, how people reacted at the time and society. Um, but, but really, yeah, it, you have to kind of take it and run with it and to really get any true meaning, any beneficial meaning into your life. So you guys said six and six and I'll say six as well. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Six 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 for God. <laughs> Do with it what you will, God. All right. The movie. I'm gonna. The movie just did its work. Just, we are. Our trophy it. just turned on us. I love it. I love it. Oh my God, that is. It's hysterical. Eight eight okay. eight. Oh no. Eight eight nine on fear. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, man. Okay. So mm, that, that we is need to wrap this up quick. We're all gonna so die in our sleep. That, that means that we give blood on Satan's claw a seven out of 10 on the fog meter. Oh my God. That is, uh, that is something else, man. Oh man. Um, that has to be one of my favorite fog meters that we have just Mm. battled through. So, so funny. Um, but the, the perhaps more difficult question, um, and Steve, I'll start with you Mm. is, is would we recommend blood on Satan's claw? Um, Steven, do you recommend it? Um, not to everybody. No. Um, but sure, I'll, sure, I would recommend it to uh, to the the horror fans who want to uh, get into folk horror. I would definitely recommend it since it's one of the uh, top three of that genre. Sure. So yeah, sure. but but to the casual movie movie fan or or, uh, <laughs> or even just a casual horror movie fan, I would I would say eh, think about it and uh, look watch the trailers, see if you might be interested first. But, sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Nathan, do you recommend it? Um, you know, I'm not mad or sad that I watched it. Uh, and mm-hmm. so this is with minimal passion, but I don't think I do. I just, I think it's, uh, I, I, it, it's significance can't be denied. And so I don't think anyone, I wouldn't fault anyone who did watch it, but I think it's construction is pretty clunky um uh, to use a word to, to reuse a word i just use it's 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 maturity is pretty questionable yeah. and its extremes are pretty excessive and so from that yes. standpoint it makes it kind of hard to just be like go for it you know yeah. except for purely kind of academic purposes perhaps you know so so just yeah i know yeah um i actually really appreciate what you said there i do think if you can handle a certain academic disassociation to where you can view the thing, you know, as an intellectual exercise, then it, there's there's some worthwhile interest there, especially given its tentpole nature in this subgenre. But I don't think I recommend it either. Um, I, I feel like its extremities are just too exploitative. Um, and and I say this as somebody who has seen the film a couple of times. Um, I, I I just maybe this viewing, you know, just wrapping my head around it in a different way. I, I have to confess, I seem to watch films differently when we're preparing for a conversation than when I just watch them casually. Mm-hmm. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't in good conscience, like strongly recommend this film though. I will say that 
for those interested in this subgenre, interested in sort of what we've explored and can have a certain intellectual distance, then then maybe not completely not worth your time. Because uh, to your point, like, you know, not the worst thing in the world to say you've seen it uh, just for, you know, to check a box or whatever. Um, well, all right, gentlemen, guys, thanks for indulging me. I know that I, and I didn't expect to, I didn't expect to, I thought maybe I'll bring this side tangent up. And then here I did rattle on for at least a half hour or more. So I appreciate you both. I'm very, very fond of you both. And I thank you for being there with me in this yeah. conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, I appreciate your rants. Yes. Thank Part you. Of the reason thank I keep coming back. So. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, so He's uh, like, you, Nathan. uh, sincerely steven thank you so much for being here again with us it's always a fun time having you and nathan thank you as always so listeners next week we're going to be continuing on with this folk horror series i'm going to do something we don't normally do i'm going to mention the next two films that we've done i think we cited it before uh on witchfinder general but i'm going to mention the next two films next week if programming stays the same next week we're going to be going to a a uh, South Korean slash Thailand film called The Medium. It's actually a film that was recommended to us by um, a fogger, Ernst Mantler. Shout out, Ernst. Um, and it was recommended that we cover this film. It is a folk horror film, a pretty recent one. It's a good opportunity to dive into it. Uh, I think as of right now, it's available on Shutter. But The Medium is going to be next week's. And then the week after that, we're going to be going to a film called You Won't Be Alone. Um, and, uh, you won't be alone was a film from last year. I really, really loved that film. Um, and I'm very, very excited to talk about it. Uh, I'm just, you know, kind of laying it all out there for what you can expect for the next couple of weeks. And also to kind of give us some runway in case, uh, scheduling needs to change a little bit with some of what we've got programmed. But the plan as of right now is for next week, uh, the film, the medium, which, uh, there's a couple of films with that title. We're looking for the 2021 film, uh, the South Korean uh the thai south korean like mockumentary style film is what you're looking for um and uh as we say on every episode the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation in that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing steve thank you again nathan thank you again listeners thank you again and we will see you all next week bye everybody The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.